Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. I am attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. We're talking this segment about hot topics in the security clearance world and uh, specifically sexual behavior. You know, Lindy, it's 2022. I think a lot of people have a little bit of a righteous indignation, I guess, about the the idea that the government may be prying into uh, things that happen in the privacy of our bedrooms. Uh, It's not to say that that indignation isn't well-placed, but at the end of the day, security clearances are a privilege. They're not a right. And the government does and can often examine these sorts of areas as part of the security clearance process, not because they really care what you're doing at home, although I'm sure there are the few uh, security officials out there who enjoy that. The reality is that a lot of these things can, under the right circumstances, be uh, blackmail issues. They can raise questions about judgment, reliability, and other areas of concern for a security clearance holder. So, We have written about this, I know, extensively on clearance jobs, but one of the things that I see come up in my practice with increasing frequency these days is the internet and how the internet and sexual behavior sort of are increasingly overlapping. I think the internet has created an outlet for a lot of people to explore some of the more out there or, you know, previously taboo areas of sexual behavior. Unfortunately, it's not like Vegas. The internet is not uh, confined to your computer. It it does have a tendency to spill over into other areas of your life when you least want it to or least expect it to. And this is certainly one of them. So, Lindy, I know you've gotten some rather entertaining or unusual questions about these topics on clearance jobs. Are there any that come to mind? Oh, I'm so glad you can't see me blush when we record these, <laughs> Sean, because we've talked about it for years. We tend to get you know pushback sometimes, like how you framed it at the beginning. Like, how is this a separate adjudicative guideline? Isn't anything within sexual behavior going to fall under some other uh, adjudicative guideline? The reality is in most cases it does. I mean, a lot of times people see if it's pornography at work, it's also a misuse of IT systems, but that's true of every single adjudicative guideline or criteria out there that they are almost always working in tandem. So it isn't generally just sexual behavior, but there is a lot of sexual behavior that hits into other things. And eh, there are categories of sexual behavior related, again, especially with the open door of the internet that do kind of you know, conflate with other issues that are definitely relevant within the security clearance process in terms of reliability and trustworthiness and even issues of a lot of these online forums and different places on the internet these days that have these niche communities around niche sexual proclivities also have their own ties to a lot of other issues that the government does not want to be associated with or involved with. It just presents a lot of issues. I will say one of the more frequent ones lately that I can actually talk about and not and frame a coherent sentence around is the OnlyFans issue. I've gotten a ton of questions about that over the past two years in particular. I have, to my credit, mom, I had never heard of OnlyFans until somebody emailed me about it for work for the record. And then I had to search it on my work computer and then explain. I just had to know how to do the capitalization of the website. But yeah, I mean, because if you don't know, 
Congratulations. But OnlyFans is a site where content creators, I mean, I thought that was me, can share their content for money. A lot of that content would fall under the sexual behavior adjudicative guideline. The way it comes up for security clearance holders, though, is less about the sexual behavior nature of what you're posting and more about the hiding income blackmail around what you're posting. So I think these issues are often related. There is something we like to think that we're all living our full authentic selves, right? And there's nothing that we wouldn't want to hide. But then you go down a lot of these website threads and find that there are people with a lot of habits that they are seemingly trying to hide, whether it's from a spouse or from their mom or from the world at large. And that's where you do come into issues with your security clearance. I've got to stop, Sean, before... Please take over. Take take it away. <laughs> You're going to talk yourself into trouble here. Yeah. I know. I'm just... I, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I, I don't know where to begin, or I don't want to talk about, and I don't know where to begin. Both both are the case. Talk about your legal perspective, Sean. Have, talk about your cases. What, what can you share? I'll be diplomatic, but I will tell you, what you used the term thread... And you used it in a different context, but it actually was something that I thought was worth following up on. And that is because, you know, often when we see these cases, as you've alluded to, there are other issues that arise. And the way that I sort of describe it to people who come to me and and are very indignant about the fact that the government is asking these sorts of questions about their private sexual behavior is it is often a thread. And if you pull it, what happens when you pull a thread? Well, oftentimes other things, you know, unravel. So in the case of, as you point out, for example, OnlyFans or situations where people are involved in fetish type activity and they're going out and maybe it's not the traditional definition of prostitution, but they are going out and you know advertising their services to do other things that have a sexual component to them. And you know that is income that's not being reported, for example, or it's raising a blackmail issue. We've seen you know cases where people have been involved in these communities of interest, uh, including some that actually meet in person. There is a very well-known convention in the greater Washington, D.C. area that happens every year that is a very unusual fetish-related topic and uh, draws a lot of interest from people who work in the national security community. And so that tends to be an issue when these folks get exposed. And there are a lot of other things like that. I mean, I could go on and on with examples We've seen cases of, you know, people involved in swinging, cases in, of people who are involved in, you know, filming adult content that is on other, you know, platforms or in other situations besides OnlyFans, sexting, you take illicit pictures and you don't know where those are going to wind up. I mean, there's just so many scenarios that I can think of in situations where we've actually encountered these type of issues. And One of the things that often comes up from people is how does the government even find out about this stuff? You know, you fill out an SF-86, there's no questions on there about sexual behavior. Most people who sit through a background investigation interview will get no questions about sexual behavior. So how does this even a thing? Where does this come up? There are a couple of ways that it comes up. One is during a polygraph. There are uh, very frequently questions at the intelligence community agencies on the polygraph or during the uh, pre-hiring clearance process that ask 
specifically about sexual behavior, including uh, written questionnaires that we've seen at some agencies. We have seen cases where somebody has been reported by a colleague, ratted out by somebody who is angry with them or a jilted ex or former friend. I mean, all sorts of scenarios where you know somebody's been uh, unfaithful on the spouse, they've been involved in some other sexual activity, and that's been reported that way. And finally, we've seen cases where people have you know just admitted to it one of the common questions at the end of the background investigation interview, the standard questions is, is there anything we don't know about you that could be used for blackmail? And sometimes people will just blurt out, you know, sexual related issues. Uh, so, you know, these are all ways that it can come to the government's attention. And if and when it does, then the next step sometimes is, depending on the issue, a psychological evaluation. Sometimes it's additional interview to determine you know, if the behavior is continuing, who knows about it, i.e., is this or isn't this a blackmail issue? There's a lot of other things that can come out of it. But the unifying theme from all of these things is that if it is something that you, know, you wouldn't feel comfortable sharing with most people who know you, I think, you know, most of us would probably feel uncomfortable sharing details about sexual activity with, with certain people, regardless of, you know, what it is, whether it's, you know, mainstream quote unquote or not. But if it's something that, you know, the government would look at and say, you know, you're going to have an issue sharing this with most people, then it is a blackmail issue that, that would be cause for concern. You know, it's interesting because we have the two sides of it. Again, we get more pushback now saying like, hey, why is this even an educated guideline or criteria? I'm pretty sure there was a recent RAND report talking about kind of emerging issues for young people in the security clearance process. And one of those was related to kind of this topic of OnlyFans, pornography, the prevalence of all of that. And just, I mean, think about how recently online pornography has really blown up to become an issue and how that does introduce young people to a potentially a lot of content that might be illegal. I mean, we've covered a ton about Pornhub's kind of legal issues and status at clearance jobs and how a lot of these sites make it harder and harder to say that you haven't viewed something that was illegal in some capacity, especially if you have particular fetishes. So that was something, again, even that Rand report noted, like it's not necessarily an issue that's going away. Thanks to the internet, there might be potentially more issues. And from my perspective, we, we see it come up with folks, maybe not on the SF-86 per se, but certainly if you're applying for intelligence community position or going through that polygraph process, and especially you're you're one of those folks that has a heavy conscience burden, as you've written about or talked about, you start going through some of those questions and your internet search history might come back to haunt you in ways that you you would not like to. Do you have any advice for those people, Sean? If that's you, what do you do? I mean, are there ways to help mitigate that before you sit down for a polygraph or <laughs> just be good kids? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, so all of this stuff, there, there's a spectrum, right? I mean, like, most people would look at some of these things, uh, you know, that that are are becoming these fad fetish type things and say, you know, gosh, that's unusual <laughs> or that's outside the norm. I have to sort of restrain myself from going too far down this path because some of the specifics really are out there and, and are probably not appropriate for radio or podcast material. But you can use your imaginations and you know suffice it to say, even I am surprised sometimes and I am rarely surprised these days given what comes across my desk. Those sorts of things where if, if a reasonable, ordinary person who is not a total prude would look at it and say, you know, that's really out there. 
it's going to potentially be a tough one absent going to counseling or some sort of, you know, therapy and being able to demonstrate that you've gotten a handle on whatever the underlying issue is. Again, I know there's a lot of subjectivity here and, and some people are probably thinking, you know, well, who are you to judge? I, to be clear, I'm not, you know, judging anybody, but the government is. So you have to look at these things, you know, through that you know, framework and that, and from the point of view of a reasonable, ordinary person, would, would a reasonable, ordinary person consider this to be out there and, and unusual or bizarre? And if the answer is yes, yeah, the only way to potentially mitigate it is to show that you've addressed it and you've gotten it under control. If it's, you know, a little tamer, if it's stuff that, you know, maybe it's, it's a little bit outside the, the mainstream, but it's not, you know, something that, you know, most people are going to cringe at or, or, you know, think is totally gross or borderline legal, you know, then it's a little more open to interpretation. I think the best thing I can say with this one is it's, it's very case specific, unfortunately, because there is such a broad divergence of the type of issues that we see. The best thing for somebody who is in this situation to do is to talk to somebody preferably an attorney so that you have confidentiality who is experienced in these issues and can tell you, all right, you know, here's my unvarnished assessment, whether you like it or not, about how this sort of thing is going to be viewed. And if, you know, the answer is, yeah, this is this is out there, then maybe it's time to get it under control or, or look for employment elsewhere. That's the reality, unfortunately. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cleared Cast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.